Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Jeremy Williams, and uh, I have the honor and privilege of serving as the student pastor here at Solid Rock. And so uh, I love that, that Jason, our, our lead pastor, uh, allows me to uh, preach, and Nick and our preaching team here to, uh, to fill in for his absence. He is on vacation with his family, and you know he definitely needs that. He faithfully serves our church well, uh, and we love to be able to offer him uh, that opportunity. Um, and so I, I'm going to be with you guys this morning, and I'm really, really excited. Uh, speaking of students, um, a lot of you may know that we just got back from uh, Camp Refuge, which was our student camp, and it was unbelievable. Uh, I'll tell you, there, there is nothing like watching students worship the Lord. Amen? Uh, and and um, even, even more awesome to report is we had uh, one young lady put her faith and trust in Christ, uh, which is a huge, yeah, can we clap for that? That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it, was, it was awesome, and, and I'd like to personally extend a thank you to you guys for your financial support, um, for your prayer support. Uh, we're super, super grateful for you uh, for that, uh, because it takes a village, right? It takes the whole church um, being a part of those things. A uh, second thing I want to also say to you is happy Father's Day. Uh, yeah, today's actually uh, my first Father's Day. Uh, not really sure how to feel. Uh, I, I didn't expect that, but thank you. Not really sure how to feel. You know, my kid doesn't talk to me except makes noises, and you don't want me to demonstrate that. Uh, but, but listen, happy Father's Day. Thank you, fathers in this room who, does, who do everything you can to, uh, to love your families well and to uh, exemplify Christ in your home. Um, I cannot minimize the importance of that. I cannot maximize the importance of that, I guess I should say. Uh, thank you so much for, for what you do as dads in the home. Uh, so last week, we began our new series in Colossians um, called The Supremacy of Christ, right? And so Nick preached last week from the uh, beginning of chapter one. And what Nick did is he helped us to see that we are rescued from the darkness because of the gospel. And it is the gospel that allows us to continuously grow to be more like Jesus. And so what I'm going to be doing today is just continuing in chapter 1. Um, so we're going to start in verse 15 this, this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And uh, 1, 15 through 20 is actually one of the central passages of the book of Colossians, which makes me really excited that Jason left it for me. Uh, and and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm super pumped to be able to, uh, to unpack what God is saying in his word through Colossians. And, and in this passage, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, we're going to see two things about Christ. We're going to see that he is uh, supreme or the Lord over creation, and he is supreme or the Lord over the church. And so if you would follow along with me, I'm going to read this passage uh, for us together, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in and walk through um, this. Starting chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He, is the, he existed before anything was ever created. So before the heaven, before the earth, before the vegetation, before the creation account, Jesus existed. Did you know that? You know, Jesus didn't just come out of nowhere whenever the New Testament came. We're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. And, and, and Jesus is also preeminent in rank, firstborn of creation. He comes before all things in priority. Now, in church history... Um, there was a, a man, especially in, in the fourth century, his name was, was Arius. And I talk about him because Arius in the fourth century had this belief and this idea that Jesus was created by God. That's false. Jesus has always been. He, he believed that Jesus as God's son was a creation of God. This belief actually was known as Arianism. Look it up. If you don't have a life like I do, look it up. Um, and um, it, was, it was a really, really, really heretical thing. And it really is today, but back then it was, it was a big deal. In fact, it was called Arianism after him. Um, and, and not only did he believe that Jesus was this created being, but he also saw Jesus, therefore, as subordinate to God. So God's here, Jesus is here. But if you think about it, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of what the Trinity means? Right, the Trinity is that God exists in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's not a subordinate relationship. They are all equal. They are all at the same level. And so, yes, Arius promoted this, this thought process, this really false theology, and, and he... He was excommunicated from the church for that, and, and um, church uh, councils met back then to, to really solidify that, because if you think about it, it does kind of seem that way. There's God the Father, and you know, it's the Son, and you know, it seems like there is a subordinate relationship, but there's not. That's not what Scripture tells us. In fact, if you go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, let me read that for you. This is Jesus talking, and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. There's no creation of Jesus at some point. Jesus had always been. He had always been. The, re the third reason why Jesus is, is Lord of creation is because he's the sustainer of all things. You know, it is Christ that holds all of creation together because of his power. The, the, the existence of creation, its order, its arrangement, the fact that we have the right amount of oxygen in order to breathe right now is because of Jesus. The reason that earth is positioned in the solar system not too close to the sun and not too far away, not too close to the moon and not too, close, or not too far away is because of Jesus. You know, look at scientific research that has put out there that, you know, if we were any closer to the sun, we, we would burn to death. If we were any further away from the, or closer to the moon, we would, we would freeze to death. You know, but you're gonna talk to me about the Big Bang Theory, what? I believe that we were created by an intelligent designer. Amen. That is what it means for Jesus to be the sustainer of all things. The very ability for us to be breathing right now is because of Jesus. Amen. You know, Jesus isn't some 
regular guy, but he is God in the flesh. And Paul also refers to Jesus in verse 15 as the firstborn of all creation. Now, it's important to define this word firstborn, because when I think about firstborn, I think about the first child who is conceived from a family and then born, and you know, he was the first that came. I am, am myself am a firstborn, but, but that's not what he's saying here. When Paul uses this word firstborn, what he's saying is it means to actually have a superior rank over, to be the highest. And over creation, Jesus is superior. Jesus is supreme. It's actually the same word we see in Psalm chapter 89. Let me read this to you. It says, Psalm chapter 89, verse 27. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. So Jesus is the firstborn over all of creation. And as we walk through the next set of verses, verses 16 and 17, we're going to see Paul give three reasons for why this is true, why Jesus is the Lord of creation. So the first reason is because everything was created through him and for him. Let me read 16 and 17 for you again. Paul says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers, or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. That means that Jesus has supreme rank over all things that exist. He is the means by which all things exist. Heaven, and earth, and people, and all things. It's because of Jesus. And we exist for him. You know, so those times whenever we kind of want to go our own direction or live our own life, right? Nobody ever is guilty of that in here, I'm sure. Right, we have to remember, he is the Lord of creation. You know, a lot of the time when we think about creation, we think about kind of that stuff out there, right? But we are cre his creation too. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that, but you know, have, have you ever stopped and just, and just looked at creation? You know, when you go outside and you, you just see a beautiful sunset? You know, one thing that I have been able to stop and look at, it, you know, especially, you know, whenever my little daughter was born and, and I stopped and I looked at her and, you know, I was, I was crying all over the place, don't tell anybody. Uh, and and, and I, was, I was just so taken aback. God, or Jesus and God, is the Lord of her. And I have to remember that because there's going to be times when I want to try to do that and I can't because he's the Lord of creation and he made my daughter Emma and he made us for his purposes, not for our own. And we should praise him for that. So the next time you're out there seeing that sunset, you know, thank God for that. Or your crazy children, you know, thank God for them too. The second reason that Jesus is Lord of creation is because he is preeminent in time and authority. Preeminent, not a word that we commonly use, uh, but preeminent means to, to have first place over or to occupy first place. So in time, he is preeminent or first place because he existed before anything was ever created. So before the heaven, before the earth, before the vegetation, before the creation account, Jesus existed. 
Did you know that? You know, Jesus didn't just come out of nowhere whenever the New Testament came. We're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. And, and, and Jesus is also preeminent in rank, firstborn of creation. He comes before all things in priority. Now, in church history, um, there was a, a man, especially in, in the fourth century, his name was, was Arius. And I talk about him because Arius in the fourth century had this belief and this idea that Jesus was created by God. That's false. Jesus has always been. He, he believed that Jesus, as God's son, was a creation of God. This belief actually was known as Arianism. Look it up. If you don't have a life like I do, look it up. Um, and um, it, was, it was a really, really, really heretical thing. And it really is today, but back then it was, it was a big deal. In fact, it was called Arianism after him. Um, and, and not only did he believe that Jesus was this created being, but he also saw Jesus, therefore, as subordinate to God. So God's here, Jesus is here. But if you think about it, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of what the Trinity means? Right, the Trinity is that God exists in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's not a subordinate relationship. They are all equal. They are all at the same level. And so, yes, Arius promoted this, this thought process, this really false theology, and, and he, he was excommunicated from the church for that, and, and um, church uh, councils met back then to, to really solidify that because if you think about it, it does kind of seem that way. There's God the Father, and you know, it's the Son, and you know, it seems like there is a subordinate relationship, but there's not. That's not what Scripture tells us. In fact, if you go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, let me read that for you. This is Jesus talking, and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. There's no creation of Jesus at some point. Jesus had always been. He had always been. The, re the third reason why Jesus is, is Lord of creation is because he's the sustainer of all things. You know, it is Christ that holds all of creation together because of his power. The, the, the existence of creation, its order, its arrangement, the fact that we have the right amount of oxygen in order to breathe right now is because of Jesus. The reason that earth is positioned in the solar system, not too close to the sun and not too far away, not too close to the moon and not too close or not too far away is because of Jesus. You know, look at scientific research that has put out there that, you know, if we were any closer to the sun, we, we would burn to death. If we were any further away from them or closer to the moon, we would, we would freeze to death. You know, but you're going to talk to me about the Big Bang Theory? What? I believe that we were created by an intelligent designer. That is what it means for Jesus to be the sustainer of all things. The very ability for us to be breathing right now is because of Jesus. You know, are we, are, are we thanking him for that breath regularly? You know, as Lord of creation, too, if you think about it, I mentioned this earlier, it means that he is also Lord of our life, or should be, because we are his creation. 
right? We were created through him and for him. In fact, the Bible says that we are made in his image. And there's at least one purpose that we see in the Bible of what we are created for. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So as his creation, we are created for him and it's for good works. But God calls us to those things. He doesn't call us to do our own thing, to have our own agenda, but we are called to his works, to love people, to do whatever it is that he has called us to do. And I'll tell you, there's, there's gonna be some times in life when it does feel like he's not holding things together. It feels like things are falling apart. You ever been there before? There are gonna be times when it seems like, Jesus, where are you? You know, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, but we have to trust in the fact that Jesus is who he says that he is. He's who he says that he is. So if we feel like things are falling apart, we, it's not, it's not. Because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, the Bible says, and I'm thankful for that. Man, in times when I felt like things were falling apart and I thought it should be a certain way, you ever gone back and looked and you're like, man, I'm really glad I didn't do it I, you know, the way that I thought it was needing to be done. Anybody ever been there before? All right. He is the sustainer of all things. So not only is Jesus Lord of creation, we saw that in 15 through 17, but for the next set of verses, 18 through 20, we're gonna see that Jesus is the Lord or head of the church. So just like in 15 through 17, where Paul gives us reasons for Jesus' lordship over creation, he's gonna do the very same thing regarding the church. So the first reason that Jesus is Lord over the church or head over the church is because he rose from the dead. Or in other words, because of the resurrection. Let me read verse 18 again. Paul says, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. So this, this word beginning or, or firstborn, they, they should be read to mean that, that Jesus is the first of many to be raised from the dead. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, physically, Jesus was raised from the dead, yes or no? Yes, and so if you think about that with us spiritually, don't we get raised from the dead when we put our faith and trust in him? The Bible says we are passed from death to life when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. He rose from the dead, so rightfully so, he should be Lord over the church. You know, in, in Acts chapter two, when the church was, was being developed and it was at its inception, before the church actually developed, right before it, do you know what? Peter was preaching, he was preaching the resurrection. The foundation of the church was the resurrection. In fact, let me read to you some passages of scripture from Acts chapters two, looking at verse 22. This is Peter talking, he's saying, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was not possible for him to be held by it. 
And then you go down to verse 30 through 32, and, and Peter is talking about the fact that, that Jesus was a descendant of David, and that even David in the Old Testament gave prophecy of Jesus. And in verse 30, he says, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he, David, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and all of us are all witnesses, and of, of that we are all witnesses. And so it's, it's right after this, right after this message from Peter that we read in, in Acts 2.37 through the end of the chapter that that's when the church developed. And it's, it's that foundation, the resurrection. That is when we see the breaking of bread and everybody getting their possessions together and distributing as needed. He is the Lord of the church because he rose from the dead. The second reason he is Lord of the church is because he possessed fullness of deity. We see that in, in verse 19. It says that God was pleased for the fullness of his deity to be present in Jesus. You know, we began this morning talking about this false teaching that many of the Colossian people were buying into. And, and really, there was a group of people who, who was promoting this false teaching big time, and it was a group of people called the Gnostics. The Gnostics. And, and what they believed, and this is gonna sound really crazy, okay? So, so don't think I'm making this up, because I'm not, you can look it up. Uh, but this crazy belief, so they believed that Jesus was one of 30 created beings who evolved out of God. What? I know, I know, that's what you're saying, it's okay. So Jesus was one of 30 created beings who involved out of God. And so for them, they, they referred to God as the pleroma, and that's the Greek word for fullness. But what Paul was trying to get them to see was the fullness of God was because of Christ, who has always been. It was not based upon some created beings. The fullness of Christ was present in Jesus who had always been, and it pleased God for this fullness to be inside of Jesus. You know, we explicitly see here that Jesus, this gives proof that Jesus was fully God as well as fully man. I don't know if you've ever thought about the, the implications of that, but you know, if Jesus had not been fully God and fully man, the resurrection would have been meaningless. Because as fully God, Jesus was able to die and he was able to extend that grace and forgiveness and mercy to us. Because if he had just been a regular average Joe, what would have mattered? And as fully man, he was able to experience the temptation and the struggle that we face, yet without sin, he was perfect. But Jesus in his full godness and his full manness died for us. Why wouldn't he be the Lord of the church? The third reason he's the Lord of the church is because the Bible says that he reconciles through his saving work on the cross. Let me read to you verse 20 again. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You know, our sin creates this barrier between us and God. 
I don't know if you've ever seen um, that graphic before where there's these two cliffs and you see have God on one side and man on the other side and there's this deep chasm and, and you know, how are they gonna get across and there's this disconnect. But because of the cross, because the cross reconciles us to Jesus, it gives us a right relationship with Jesus, but then, then we are able to have hope and we are able to be excited and we are able to, to I, I don't know about you, but that, that's exciting. We are able to give God the glory that he deserves. One commentator said it like this, God is saying to you, I love you like that. I love you enough to see my son suffer and die for you. The cross is proof that there is no length to which the love of God will refuse to go in order to win men's hearts. And a love like that demands an answering love. If the cross will not waken love in men's hearts, nothing will. And praise God for the cross. Amen. And Jesus, he's qualified to be the head of the church because the church is a community of redeemed people who have been reconciled through the cross. You know, one thing I really value about Solid Rock is the elder body, the leaders. Now, I'm not saying this to get a raise, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> but one thing I really appreciate about them is the fact that they lead very, very well. And I think they lead very, very well because if you look at our leadership paradigm as a church, where Jesus is located in that leadership paradigm is what we see here in this passage. It's Jesus as the head. Like we are not a church that's led by individuals who think that it's about us. And I'm thankful for that. And I, I think because of that, God has really blessed this church. I think because of that, that is, right, that is why we were right on the cusp of building this building. And you hear us say it all the time, and, and I, I believe it's true that we're not about a building. We're not about stuff. We don't want to be. But if we're not careful, if we do anything that begins to remove Jesus from that headship position, that lordship position over the church, we're going to be in trouble. And, and I'm thankful that we have an elder body who refuses to let that happen. Indeed, he is supreme over all, Lord over all, and he desires for us to trust him with everything. And it begins by putting our faith and trust in him. So here's where I think we'll land today. I'd like to invite our prayer partners up, our, the worship team up. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on inside of your heart today, but I, but I pray that you would respond. Amen. I, I don't know if perhaps maybe lately you have lost sight of what it means to be one of God's creations. And so you've tried to live and direct your life on your own. I've definitely been guilty of that at times. And so if that is you, then, then I, I pray that, that you would return to God and, and, and return to that subordinate position and, and, and realize that he is the Lord of creation, which means he is the Lord of you, which means it's about him. You know, even still, you may be reminded of, of Christ's headship as the church. Or excuse me, you may be right-minded. Yeah, that's right. Excuse me. You may be right-minded that, that Christ is the head of the church. And so 
perhaps that will cause you to want to pray on behalf of this church and, and pray that we become a church that keeps him in that position, especially because things are happening and doors are opening, and we don't want to be a church that builds a brand new building, but we have lost sight of who the head is. So we encourage you to pray for that. Or maybe today you've been reminded of your value as one of God's creations. I think that's one that I struggle with the most because you know, I, I tend to be very self-critical, self-deprecating, and, and I, I have to come back and I have to remember, hey, you know what, you're a creation of Jesus Christ. You are somebody, you are important. He loves you. And if, if you've been reminded of that this morning, I, I pray that you would just, you would give God gratitude through your worship today for that. I don't know where you're at, I don't know where you stand, but in a moment we're gonna stand and sing after I get done praying, and, and again, I, I pray that God would, um, would receive your response today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that we were able to walk through this passage and see that, that indeed Jesus is Lord of creation. He is Lord of us. He is Lord of everything outside these walls. So because of that, would we give him that rightful place in our lives? We've also seen that, that Jesus is, is Lord of the church. And especially in, in the wake of this groundbreaking ceremony that we have going on next week, help us to keep him in that lordship position over our church. Really, it's not even our church, it's yours. Lord, thank you for the people at this church. Thank you for blessing us with your son, Jesus. And more than anything, I pray that if there's anybody here who doesn't know you as their savior, who has never heard that Jesus desires and rightfully should be the Lord of our lives, who have been living for themselves and on their own, I pray that today would be the day that they, they shed that and that they would put their faith and their trust in you in order to make you the Lord of their life because in that position, everything else is taken care of. Thank you for who you are. I pray this in your name. Amen.